Less Doing, episode 102. Ari interviews Andrea Lubier of Mailbird. Welcome to the Less Doing podcast. Less Doing, more living, more living, more living, more living. Hi, I'm Ari Mizell, and this is the art of less doing. I'm going to teach you how to optimize, automate, and outsource everything in your life, including your health, in order to be more effective. I want you to stress less, free up as much time as possible, and do the things you want to do. Welcome back to the Less Doing Podcast. This is episode 102, where I interview Andrea Lubier about Mailbird. Now, today is a special show because I have two guest co-hosts who are both members of my mastermind coaching group and really, really interesting guys. And I, I've been wanting to do this for a while now uh, because they are definitely living the less doing life. And we talk about this stuff anyway, pretty much. So I've got Dave Rail and Nick Sonnenberg. Hi, guys. Hey, hey. So uh, real quick, I'll just uh, – so I'll let you guys introduce yourself. But uh, Nick has a, a startup called Calvin that we've talked about. I've talked about before, and you'll definitely be hearing more about that as well. And Dave is a superpower programmer who has taken some of my hacked together automations and created more streamlined versions. But go ahead, guys, give yourselves a quick intro. Dave, why don't you start? So yeah, as, as you mentioned, Ari, Dave Rail. Uh, I've been a software guy for uh, my entire uh, professional career and uh, trying to transition into more of an entrepreneurial mindset and less of a, a just working for people kind of a, kind of approach. So, uh, I, Ari, you're helping me out a lot with that. I appreciate that. Oh, thank you. And Nick, go ahead. Uh, my name is Nick Sonnenberg, CEO of CalvinApp.com. Calvin, we're we're in stealth mode right now. You should be hearing more about us um, in quarter one next year. But basically. We're a collaborative to-do list and help cut down all the back and forth text and email involved with making plans in, in general, plans with your friends, plans with work, any type of plan. Yeah, and I'll just say on that note that the, you know the calendar space has gotten sort of out of control recently, but Calvin has a, a, a different approach from as far as I'm concerned. It's a, a really slick app. So, um, But people, it, we're in beta right now, Nick, right? So when, when do you think people will actually be able to, to try it out? Um, well, right now we have it's beta alpha. You know, I have it on people's phones like you and stuff. But um, you know, if people get in touch with me, I'm putting it on their phones. But it'll be in the app store. We're hoping by by February, March. Cool, cool. I and mean, obviously, we're gonna have links to the Calvin and the Shonets. We'll have links to Rail Yard, which is Dave Rail's website. So uh, you'll be able to find out more about these guys. So uh, I'm gonna tell you guys about some stuff that I found this week. Uh, one of which is. Well, it, so this is an interesting one. I had we got our new apartment a few weeks ago, as you guys know, and I had to have it painted. Uh, and I was looking at all. There's all sorts of websites that I've looked at before for that kind of stuff. There's like Red Beacon and Handy and all these websites for getting uh, home maintenance or construction professionals. But I found a website called Paint Zen, and Paint Zen basically it's stress-free painting. So it's pretty cool. You just put in your zip code and how many rooms and bathrooms. And they give you the price on the spot. It's guaranteed. They came and they did it in three days, uh, whereas I had previously gotten a quote of somebody to do it for much more money and for like a two-week job and got it done. Um, and it was – construction is one of those industries that has been sort of slow to take on not technology overall but project management and bidding and all that stuff. So for a website like this to just make it really simple for getting painting done for your home or office, I thought was really cool. So that was paint done. Did you, did you try 
try TaskRabbit too, or like, um, or this is much better um, than TaskRabbit for painting. Yeah, so you know, you can definitely there are definitely TaskRabbits to do painting, but the thing is, is you're dealing with like one individual. It's a weird gray area, and I'm glad you brought that up actually. So, because uh, I did have you know, as you know, nine TaskRabbits working in the apartment in two days. But uh, this was a three-man crew that, you know, the apartment is three bedrooms, three bathrooms, so they were able to do it in three days. But uh, with, with TaskRabbit, one of the issues that they have, which I know that they're changing now, but the way that they have it set up is you're basically hiring one person at a time. Uh, initially, when or the way the old system on TaskRabbit used to work, you could put out a job and then one person could sign up to do it, but you could leave it open for multiple people. So it, it would take a lot more sort of managing and you would end up getting people who are not necessarily a team to do this. Uh, so for an entire apartment or an entire house, I don't know if I would use TaskRabbit. For like one room, I think it'd be fine. Gotcha. Yeah. I kind of like this approach they have too of being very niched down on on the painting. I, there, there was this guy that I was listening to that was talking about when you when you have a problem with your garbage disposal and you go and and try to look up somebody to work on it. Are you going to go with you know the the, the general plumber plumber right you know triple A type plumbing or do you want uh, the garbage disposal answer man? So this this is kind of a a neat uh, kind of they're focused on one thing. Yeah, and that's a good point, actually, too, because about the garbage disposal, because you're right. It's like a garbage disposal is a funny one, actually, because uh, it's funny you gave that as an example, because sometimes you need an electrician for a garbage disposal and sometimes you need a plumber. So uh, it's it's it, you're right. Having like the garbage disposal person is probably the best way to go with that. So, yeah, so it's interesting how you're seeing. And actually, Calvin is an example of this, too, Nick, where you're seeing. Uh, not a overall virtual assistant, but you're seeing a calendar, you know, or a scheduling assistant, or you, you see these things being broken out. People that just do transcription, uh, and there are these services that can do all of these things sometimes. But in a lot of ways, especially since you can manage this stuff digitally and a little more effectively now, it's nice to have those things broken up into the ones that just do that one thing really well. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so there's a, a website called CrowdVibe, and uh, there used to, it used to be a site called Ask 500 People. Have either of you ever heard of that site? No, no not me. Okay, so it was really cool. Uh, it was a free site, and basically you could ask any question you wanted to 500 people, and you'd get your answer. And it was a really cool polling site. Um, so you could ask things as simple as, you know, like, uh, do you prefer peanut butter or jelly or, you know, what kind of jelly? Or you could be like, what would you pay for a kind of service that does this and, and get 500 answers pretty quickly. But I guess they've taken it to the next level because now CrowdVibe, you can get instant answers from 50 million people. Um, so it's, it's all across America only. Uh, you can include images and video, and, but you get these in-depth reports and you can ask some fairly complex stuff, not just yes or no's. You can do uh, polling, market surveys, uh, and, and kind of any questions you want. And it's, um, it, I mean, it's really cool if you, if you sort of like want to not necessarily get proof of concept, although you certainly could, but it's, I think it's a really good thing to have access to. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm going to take a look at this. Um, Sam Cook suggested another one called uh, AYTM.com that does something kind of similar to this, but I haven't had time to look at, look at it yet. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't know about that, and we'll put that in the show notes as well to check out. But I, I have used Ask 500 People, and oh, this is really cool. Okay, so access over 20 million respondents. 95 cents for 10 answer questions. Yeah, I mean, so these kinds of tools, it's amazing with the crowd and also like the ability of people to access the internet now and want to do this kind of stuff. You can you can get some really interesting information very quickly. 
Yeah, definitely. I used one called five second test for, for Calvin where the, you know, when we were testing different landing pages and basically with that, you show someone the landing page for five seconds and then you get their feedback and it asks you like, ask them, what were you thinking about? What do you think this website's about? Do you like it? Do you not like it? Um, so it's just a, another type of in five seconds. Yeah. That's really cool. Okay. Well, we'll have to have that show notes also. Uh, there was a video, and I think, Dave, you posted this actually also, but I had seen it, that humans need not apply. You saw that, right? Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. yeah I saw that on Twitter, and I thought that was a pretty uh, interesting look at things. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, it's it's like, so I, I mean, I can't really describe this whole YouTube video to everybody, but you should watch it. It's about a, uh, I think it's a 15-minute video about various kinds of automation that have happened and that that are happening and are going to be happening. Uh, and it's got a kind of a Skynet feel to it. Don't you think? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, a little bit of a matrix feel too. Yeah. Uh, but I really like it. Uh, so I, I love this. It's called humans need not apply. And it's a YouTube video. I recommend people check out, uh, there, so there's a, an app I found called ad app. Uh, it's adapp.io, And basically one of the biggest issues that I find people have with the quantified self movement is that they start tracking themselves. They get a Fitbit or they get something with the basis, whatever, the bet it, and they track the data, but then they don't do anything with it, which honestly it's, it's okay because sometimes just the awareness is all it takes to affect change. And I've, I've seen that myself, but for, if you want to take it to the next level, it's nice to get some sort of insights into that. So what ad app does is it's taking things from like uh, withing from your Fitbit, from uh, Map My Run, from Body Media withings. Like it, it, it's using all these different sources, and then it actually is supposedly crunching that data to some extent and giving you specific recommendations. So uh, it it, sh it can show things that are relevant, like that you need to walk more or that uh, your heart rate is out of the norm or you should eat more protein before bed because it's affecting your sleep quality, things like that. So I, it's, it's combining information. So for instance, like it says, sleep quality is essential to, to a healthy heart. So for that, it's taking your eye health data and mixing it with your Fitbit sleep data and then coming up with correlations. Cause that's always the key thing is the correlations, right? If you can figure out cause and effect, then you can start to really improve this stuff. So this looks really promising and uh, I haven't gotten to test it too extensively because I actually don't have a lot of these devices. Uh, I, I pretty much use the bed and the basis. So uh, I'll be interested to see what people think of this. Yeah. Uh, Ari, that makes me think of, uh, of an idea actually for Dave rail kind of. So, um, so basically what I have set up right now is I have uh, through IFTT, um, these, I have a daily survey that I take and it goes to a Google doc every, every day. So, um, the survey has basic questions like how many hours did I sleep from the bed? It, you know, what kind of supplements did I take? How was my day, et cetera. And every morning I get that email and it gets stored in, in my Google drive. So Dave, I don't know, just an idea for you, but maybe, um, you could develop some cool software to, with, uh, with IFTTT, build some software to analyze someone's uh, Google form. So you could have like an IFTT that says, if the person's average of this column is less than X, then do something. So if, if I see that uh, in the last week, my average sleep is less than five hours, then send me an email to tell me I need more sleep or I don't know. 
Yeah, I think the sky's the limit, really, with stuff like that, and uh, that really appeals, obviously, to the geeks like us. But I think the the other thing is that uh, a little automation around some of this tracking, and, and like Ari said, a little bit of insight into what it is that you're that you're grabbing is uh, could could make things a lot more accessible to the people who uh, are a little less interested, but would would find this really useful if it was really easy, a little easier to to access, like the uh, quantified self stuff. So I, I think, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Nick, I think there's there's a lot of potential there, and uh, th- this kind of thing of of drawing insights from the data you're collecting. You know, I, Chris Dancy talked a lot about that. People would ask him, "Well, why are you collecting all this data?" And he, he would be like, "Well, I don't know. It it may wind up being useful. It's really just something I'm collecting." And I, I think that that you know, like I already said, there, there's there's virtue in that, and you may find a use for it at some point. And I, that's kind of where I am is I'm trying to gather a bunch of information, but anything that will help in in the uh, kind of the the analytics on the stuff and trying to figure out what's going on, I think would be really useful. So uh, whether that's ad app or, or some ideas that come down the road, I, th- I think that there's, there's a lot of potential and the sky's the limit for that kind of stuff. Absolutely. I mean, and you know, it takes something very simple. Like there are some people who really benefit, uh, they've shown this from having like a, a teaspoon of, of raw honey before they go to bed. Uh, and what they've shown is that the, it gives your brain sort of a, a really easy access to the glucose it needs overnight. Um, of course, you don't need need that because your you know your body will produce that. But some pe- some people really benefit from that, and that's a that's a tough one to quantify unless you're correlating your sleep to your sugar intake and all that stuff. So I, absolutely, I, I think that that's that's sort of the future is being able to do something with the data so that it becomes actionable. The other, and, and also it's 80, 20, you know, it's like, is it worth me going to exercise more or should I just, you know, eat more fat? I would probably vote for eat more fat in general, but, <laughs> um, so there's a, another site, this is a basic one, but a, but a really good use is it's called smartshoot.com. And <clears throat> this is something I found actually recently when we were looking for videographers, uh, you know, when we had our retreat, a couple months ago, we had a videographer there that was really great, and and Sam has been using this guy Neil in the city, who's been awesome for some of our videos. But for Smart Shoot, you're basically putting out what you need for a photographer or a videographer, uh, the job, where it is, and it seems to be pretty uh, spread out across the country at least. And then they basically will, will bid on it and give you pricing, and there are people hooked in. So it's again, it's one of those niche markets, but it's also one of those things that. I feel like with photographers and videographers, you have people who need one like once a year or they need them like a lot. You know, it's like there's not a lot of gray areas there. So it's it's great that there's a forum for this now. Um, so there's a I always love to talk about a Kickstarter campaign of some sort of some crowdfunding campaign of, of some form on the blog or on the podcast. There's a device or device. It's an object called Pergo, P-U-R-G-G-O. And it is a eco purifier. And the reason I saw this was that uh, I, I clean our car pretty much every day uh, inside just because the kids make a mess. And it, you know, if you let it go like one day, then it starts to smell pretty bad. So this is a bamboo charcoal filter. It's not, doesn't have any power to it. It looks like a small knitted pillow. And you basically put it in your car and it will help purify the air and the odors in the car. Really, really cool thing. I just like that kind of stuff. That's interesting. That might be worth looking a little further. You know, I, I, I'm kind of wondering. I, I see it talking about uh, odor and, and things like that. 
I, I wonder about uh, you know any kind of toxicity stuff in the air. If, if it's charcoal, it might be absorbing some of that kind of stuff. You know, I'm kind of thinking kind of a contrast between a, a Brita water filter versus something like a Berkey or something where where you know it, it is is the point just trying to make the water taste better or or is it actually doing something to improve your health? Yeah, right. That's a that's a very good point. <laughs> Uh, well, and so in the city, I, I really like New York City water. I actually think it tastes good, but there is a taste to it. Uh, and we got a pure filter uh, recently, which I, apparently has got much better ratings than the Brita. And it it's a totally different taste once it goes through the filter, which of course makes sense. But it also kind of makes you wonder, like, what you know, what are those things that are that are affecting that taste? Because if you can taste it, then you know it's got to be not necessarily toxic, but strong of some form. So. Sorry, I thought you used the Watts Premier uh, filter. Uh, at my home, yeah. This is in, in the city in the new apartment. We didn't, I, I didn't install the, that yet. But yeah, here in the in the house, we use the Watts Premier, which is uh, it, it's awesome. It's a the one we have is a three stage filter. I think they have a five stage, and it the first filter is like big particulate matter. It's charcoal, I think, for the most part. Then the second one is like is uh, chlorine and fluoride and lead, and it, it's makes very, very good tasting water. Really, it, it, It's really refreshing. And I actually, this this is something I've noticed significantly with different kinds of water. For instance, like I really hate Evian water. Um, I don't drink bottled water that much just because we, we usually drink from the tap here. But I think Evian tastes like really plasticky. And I'm, I find that it actually, I feel like I'm thirstier when I drink Evian water. Have either of you ever had that like experience with different kinds of water? Not so much, huh? Yeah, I mostly just drink drink uh, filtered tap water too. I, I use a Berkey, and it's, you know, I, I just don't. Uh, if if I'm out and about somewhere, I'll, I'll find some plastic water. But no, I've I've never noticed anything like that. Not not with water. Maybe some of these water flavorings or some of those things. But I I don't touch any of that stuff anyway. Maybe the type of water I'm drinking is a good one to add to my daily survey. Maybe I can find some correlations there. Yeah, that would be interesting. Um, okay. So the, uh, there's two more links here that I want to talk about for this episode. So the first one is uh, they had this really cool graphic. I actually like this uh, on Lifehacker. And it was a graphic of uh, – it was called Perfect Your Salad Game. So it was like if you love this, then try pairing it with these. So, for example, uh, well, Dave, what, what's your favorite salad ingredient? MCT oil. <laughs> okay. uh, I, I'd say uh, – Really, I, I'm probably pretty basic. Just uh, plain old lettuce would probably be my favorite, or, or spinach. Well, give me give me a protein example. Oh, protein! Uh, it's not my favorite taste, but sardines is probably the one I do the most often. Um, taste would probably steak. I guess would be my okay. Favorite. Okay, great. So for steak, they're saying you should try pairing it with red peppers, onions, and mushrooms. Um, so you know, not nothing like that mind blowing, but it, it's it's sort of a good matrix. My favorite salad ingredient is salmon. And for that, it's suggesting asparagus, tomatoes, and carrots. Um, Sounds good. Yeah, it does, right? Uh, for uh, for bacon, they're saying to pair it with egg, onion, and tomato. So That's pretty cool. Yeah, and for avocado, which is also one of my favorites, is saying onions, walnuts, and bacon. Which that honestly, that sounds amazing to me. <laughs> well, and we all know that you can pair anything with bacon. That's pretty much true. Yes, or not pretty much. That is true. I wonder why with avocado it tells you to pair it with bacon, but with bacon it doesn't tell you to pair it with avocado. Uh, because I think what it's saying is if 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 you really it, it says it says if you love this, so I think it's going with whatever the primary flavor is. So if the primary flavor you want is avocado, then it's suggesting you pair it with bacon, I guess. 
But if the primary flavor that you're going for is bacon, then it's not suggesting avocado. Because uh, I think that the avocado being so uh, densely saturated fat, not that bacon isn't, but avocado is like so creamy and fatty and whatever, I, it probably would overpower the bacon actually. Gotcha. I guess. Uh, so then the last one is a, this is a really odd one and I haven't quite figured out the use case. Honestly, it's called chat.cc. So it, it's, it says free conversations from your inbox. And I really, I don't get this, but it was interesting and I wanted to discuss it. So what it says is chat.cc turns your email conversations into a real time chat. Basically all you do is you're sending emails and then you copy go at chat.cc. And it turns it into a real-time chat. So you can kind of, you can like collaborate with people and it looks like a chat. You can share links and images and you can even uh, loop people in by at like doing the at sign and putting uh, them in a comment. So, and every 30 minutes it'll send you an email with anything that you missed in the chat. Uh, But I don't get it. I don't, I mean, this is interesting to me, but it's like one of those things I just, I'm not sure I get it. This is the new inbox from Google kind of, have this chatty kind of feel to it? Maybe. I deleted inbox so quickly I didn't like it. <laughs> yeah. My, yeah my, my first reaction is that if I'm using email, I want to avoid the chat. So that that's right. uh Right. So I'm I I'm confused, but I'm really <laughs> it was interesting enough. It's a pro I mean it is a productivity tool and I know that there are some people who do probably prefer to do like a chat kind of thing when they're talking in a group at least. So uh, if anybody has an experience that I'd love to hear the feedback on it. I mean, if you need something like this, you should probably use like Slack or some team collaborative tool. No, that's right. So exactly. I think, I mean, Slack is a great tool and it has the IFTTT plugin. And so, yeah, uh, I'd love to hear feedback on this. Um, okay. So anyway, we're, we're going to record another episode, uh, after this one, but I, I really want to thank you guys for taking the time to talk to me and, and be the guest co-host on the show that this, uh, I think this worked out really well. So, uh, that's it for episode one Oh two. And we're going to get to the interview with Andrea. So thanks everyone for listening in. Thanks. All right. Sorry. And now for feature interview. Now I'm speaking with Andrea Lubier, who is the founder of Mailbird. So Andrea, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Thank you. So uh, there's a number of things that I want to talk to you about, but the first uh, is let's talk about Mailbird. So tell tell everyone what it is and why it's so amazing. (laughs) Sure. Um, Yeah. So we're building basically a new email platform for productivity. Um, And basically there has been a lack of these types of alternatives on the Windows platform. So that's what we're focusing on first. Um, And yeah, so that's what we're doing with Mailbird. It's basically going to be a productivity platform for email to help you manage email better and faster. Okay. So now I'm going to have links in the show notes, of course, and hopefully people will get to not only see it, but try it out. But so what, what makes Mailbird different than, I mean, I, I am a, a very anti outlook kind of person, but so it it doesn't take much to convince me to try out new email programs, but uh, I like the design of Mailbird and it, it seems like you've gotten a lot of the features in there that jive with the way that I like people to use email. So just sort of walk us through like what makes Mailbird different for people who are, you know, in their cars right now. Sure, absolutely. So um, for one thing, we paid very, very close attention to detail in terms of design. Um, So a lot of what we're seeing now with modern software is something that's a lot more simplified. 
um, easier to use and a lot of customization because people do care about um, being able to personalize, you know, the tools that they use every day. Um, so that's kind of one of the things. And we're, we're actually going to be launching a new version of the software. So it's been public since April of 2012. Um, so we're going to actually be having a pretty big launch um, in the next coming months for Mailbird 2.0, which is a complete new kind of overhaul and redesign. Um, so kind of some of the things I can kind of walk people through here and what makes it so different, um, especially when you're looking at what is available out there for the Windows platform like Outlook. Um, is the fact that we really focus on productivity and spending less time in your email um, and actually reaching inbox zero. So we do kind of follow the whole inbox zero philosophy um, where you actually do something with each email that comes through and um, basically clean them out. Uh, so some of the features that we've integrated into Mailbird that kind of makes it a little special um, is things like quick reply, for example, which allows you to quickly, essentially quickly reply to emails. Um, we've also integrated things like um, quick preview, which if you get an email with attachments, um, basically it allows you to use a keyboard shortcut, which is the space bar, and you select the attachment and you can get a quick preview of it without ab actually having to download it and save it to your computer just to view it. Um, so that's and, one. And, and what about Wingman that's in development? Talk, talk about that. Sure, yeah. Yeah, so what that is is actually going to be um, a, a dashboard that provides data on how well you are managing your, your inbox. Um, so our hope here is to actually help change the habits of people uh, and how they, they use email by giving them feedback on how fast they're replying to emails, who their top uh, contacts are that they're emailing with regularly. Uh, and, and this is all in hopes of changing these habits so that they can actually improve um, and get faster with, with managing. So uh, that's a really interesting feature to me because one of the, so <laughs> you'll find, you hopefully find this amusing. Every time I give a talk, pretty much every time, I'll ask people to, without thinking about it really quickly, just they, I ask people to raise their hands if they can remember what they had for breakfast that morning and most most people raise their hands and and that's fine and then i say okay now do the exact yeah. same thing if you can tell me how many emails you sent last tuesday and you right. know, and nobody raised their hands and it, my 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 shtick there is it's like well maybe that's not relevant but it probably is and we it, it's like you're you're sending thousands of pieces of information receiving thousands of pieces of information sometimes daily and a lot of people just have no idea how they're using their own email Exactly. Exactly. So I, I, that's in development. So that's not available yet. But I'm assuming you've been testing that. So can you tell me any kind of insights that you found maybe personally from that kind of information? Uh, in terms of actually having feedback, I, I, the, the thing that we've actually learned over time is like, you know, you see all these like email companies coming out, these new ones, especially um, that are, are talking about, you know, here's this feature and that feature. And, and we're very much doing the same, but we're also looking at ways that we can actually improve the habits. And so how do you do that? Well, if you know how you're actually using email and how you're not using it effectively, for example, that's where the change of habit actually comes. So it, it's actually pretty tough because email is probably one of the greatest inventions, you know, known to man in terms of communication and how we share files and so forth. And, and it's essential in how we do our work. Um, a lot of uh, you'll see a lot of people talking about how like, oh, we're doing away with email 
Um, <laughs> but the truth is, is that like, it's, it's very much a big, uh, you know, part of how we communicate with people today. And I believe will remain that way, um, whether that's mobile or desktop. So, yeah, and I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, to me, email is the greatest productivity tool that exists on the, the face of the earth. And, you know, a lot of people have a really adversarial relationship with their email, which is unfortunate. Uh, and yes. first of all, it's a choice. You know, you, you, you don't have to have email. I mean, it, you sort of do if you want to exist in the modern world. But uh, people just have this horrible relationship with their email in a lot of ways, and it causes a lot of stress. Um, it, it's funny because one of the, the things that I disagree with that a lot of you know, the habits of the most successful people are to not look at your email first thing in the morning. And for me, I love to look at my email the very first thing when I roll <laughs> over. Like before I get out of bed, I process three or four emails uh, on my way. Exactly. Yeah. So and it's funny because it, it's not like it's a drug or something like there's just some people who hate it and there's some people who really love it. So there's got to be something off there. Right. So like what are the people right. what are the people that are doing it right get that the people that that don't don't, you know, so like you said, using email inefficiently what are some of the ways that you see or that you believe people use email inefficiently okay so there's kind of a number of <laughs> different <laughs> things that we see uh, i don't want to so give you any hard what, questions <laughs> no 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 yeah <laughs> not at all no uh but there are a number of things that we see people like in terms of misusing email for example so that's kind of where we're getting at here yeah. um so uh, like for example some people who who are able to actually read emails like yourself, like myself, I would even say in the mornings, or some people even like to do it in bed on their phone, you know, before they actually get up. So just to kind of get a briefing of what they're dealing with for the day. But the problem with that, that we end up seeing, and this doesn't affect everyone, of course, um, is that if you go into work and you, you are starting with that, it totally dictates the rest of your day where it shouldn't. Because ideally for people that work with in an office with email online is, you know, ideally you should already have basically set up your plan for the day prior to. And of course, new things will come and, and distract you and get in the way from you actually accomplishing the things that you want to get done. But um, th that's the thing. I think like what happens a lot of times when people check email in the morning is that they don't actually get to the things that they had planned on originally. Um, and of course there is like conflicting thoughts on this, you know, should you check email first thing in the morning? Should you not? Um, and it just depends on the person and how well they are at actually detracting, um, emails that are not necessary, for example, versus dealing with emails that are absolutely necessary and need attention right away. Um, but that's, that's, I think the biggest problem. People are not so good at that. And so we're hopefully going to be able to help change those habits. Uh, Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That kind of sums it up. <laughs> so, so I mean, I, I, this may be a stupid question, but I mean, are you generally an inbox zero kind of gal? Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. So, and not everyone is, and we realize that. So, we're, we we're trying to integrate things within the software that kind of caters to to different people's use of email, but also helps them, you know, do it better. Very interesting. Okay. Now I want to talk a little bit about you and the company. Okay, so you are you're based in Bali, right? Uh, correct. But we do have a kind of a, somewhat of a distributive team. Right. There. So, well, that, and, but are you Balinese? I'm not. I, a lot of people think I am. <laughs> um, it's kind of an interesting story, but, uh, I'm actually half American and half Filipino. Okay. So, well, that's even better then. So how did, that's why I want to ask is how, so how, <laughs> how do you end up in Bali? 
Um, so I actually grew up in Indonesia. I lived in Jakarta for, you know, all the way through grade school for, for the nine years of my life. Um, after that, moved to the U.S. and continued school there, graduated and actually had a degree in family studies and social work and a minor in marketing. Um, but I worked for a market research firm for uh, six years, really loved it, but was looking to dive more into different technology sectors. And so I worked for a software company and I wanted to move back to Indonesia and also gain some international business experience while also pursuing entrepreneurship. So I, I started actually looking around and actually discovered several um, startup initiatives that were happening in Indonesia, but specifically in Bali. And I thought that was awesome. So I said, why not take this, this risk, this opportunity and, and go for it? And I was introduced to my co-founder, uh, Michael, who actually was running at the time an event called uh, Project Getaway, where they bring a bunch of entrepreneurs from all over the world together. And a lot of these these people already have their own businesses that they're running, whereas others kind of come up with new business ideas. And so Michael and I started to chat a little bit, and he was talking about how um, basically, you know, a lot of people on Mac have these great email clients, like, like Sparrow is for Mac. That was really successful. Mm-hmm. Google bought them out. But there was nothing like that for um, the Windows platform. So we started talking and we said, you know, we should we should do something about this because we look at what's currently available for Windows and it's very much underserved if you look at what's available out there. So that's kind of how we got to it. Yeah. <laughs> and what's it like? I and mean, what's it like living in Bali and running it? I mean, because in, in a way, that's sort of like the Tim Ferriss, you know, dream and model, you know, is that you're yeah. you're in this remote location. Oh, yeah. So, so, I mean, is it how it, do you like it? Um, it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and I, people, even my parents, when I was like, yeah, I'm moving to Bali. They're like, what are you going to do there? You know, <laughs> and so they, they keep calling my current, I guess, choice uh, by pursuing entrepreneurship as more of a working vacation. And I'm like, actually, I barely give myself any vacations and I work my ass off. So, <laughs> um it's a very, people have very misconceived uh, notions of, of what it is actually like to build a business and to live in Bali at the same time. Well, uh, and, it's, and it's interesting to me too, because and I hope this doesn't like bother anybody listening, but it's my, and I don't mean to overgeneralize, but it seems like what you're doing is not uh, that, that normal of a thing for a woman either, because I, I mean, I have tons of friends and I know probably hundreds of people mostly guys who decided to, you know, move to Chiang Ma in Thailand or to, exactly. you know, to, to run their business. But um, not that there's anything wrong with a woman doing it, obviously, but I just, it's something that I don't think you hear about very often. So I think it, it's very pioneering of you. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and that's kind of, you know, my, uh, my, my I have a very strong belief in, in the strength of women in the tech world, for example, and I'm very much inspired by female founders for tech companies and tech startups. So um, I'm very much motivated by that. And I think you start to see more and more of it these days. And, you know, I've been to several tech conferences, for example, and it is very much still dominated by men. Um, and I, why is that? I, I, I'm not sure, but I think there's just 
uh, I, I think there's there's definitely more women now that are are coming into that space, and I think that's awesome. So yeah. And have you and have you found any sort of entrepreneurial community there in Bali that you've become part of? Absolutely, yeah. Um, and it's actually BBC actually even contacted me because they were like, you know, we heard about this this startup you know, culture happening in Bali would love to meet with you and, and talk about it more. <laughs> and so that was pretty exciting for me. I was like, wow, BBC's flying all the way to Bali to they, talk to me. They wanted they wanted cool. to see your your surf, <laughs> they wanted to see your surfer farm on a floating hut. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's not too far from that now. <laughs> no. Um but yeah, so <laughs> no, no, no. But so basically um there's a couple of initiatives that have popped up on on this tiny little island, which you can imagine it gets feels smaller and smaller the more I stay here. <laughs> um and I've been here for two years and um I would say the community that I'm in, which is actually um called Startup Getaway, uh, uh which is a co working co living uh, community. Uh, so pretty cool. And it started by this, um, I guess, I don't know what you would call it, but like a startup uh, entrepreneurial uh, umbrella company called Live It, which their whole idea is kind of like on board with, you know, more, you know, not having like this uh, workplace that's anchored to going to an office every day, nine to five. And so, of course, we do, have, like I said earlier, have a lot of these Tim Ferriss fanatics here, too. <laughs> um, and yeah, I lost my train of thought. So what was the question again? No, you, it was about, it was uh, it was just more about the entrepreneurial community. And you, you answered what, it. You, what's the startup? The startup culture, I guess, in Bali, like with the communities that I'm involved in, that was it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so there's startup, there's startup getaway, uh, a couple of other co-working spaces that have popped up. There's one in in uh, the northern inland part of Bali called Hubud, which is like hub and in Ubud. Uh, so that one's pretty uh, awesome. And then a couple of other ones have popped up closer to the beaches, which are really nice. Um, one is called the Salty Vault, so that's a new one. Um, another one called Lineup Hub, and another new one called The Wave. So these are little pockets and communities that um, are starting to come together on the island where you see a lot of entrepreneurs coming through, working on all kinds of stuff, but definitely predominantly tech startups. And, so that's really cool and, to see. and where is your, your team, you know, generally speaking, where, where are they located? Like, who, um, What's their role and where are they? Um, so... Half of our, well, not half of our team, I would say the majority of our team is actually based in Indonesia, but not all in Bali. Uh, so we have team members in other parts in Bandung, in Jakarta, uh, in Surabaya, and so forth. Um, and then the other parts of our team are based in Europe, in Copenhagen, in Denmark. And yeah, so we have a total of uh, nine now, I think. yes, nine people. And so we have three developers. Um, one, uh, my, my co-founder, Michael, he is our chief product officer. Um, so he's a developer, but he also helps out with a lot of our, uh, marketing initiatives as well. Um, you have me, um, and one guy actually who I forgot to mention as well that we just hired new, um, who's based in, in New Delhi in India. He's actually going to come to Bali because we're going to do a workshop here soon. Um, so we have him and then we have a German girl who's actually interning with us as a marketing intern. Uh, yeah, so kind of all over the place, which is awesome because we have a very international team and, and for building a, a company that's very much a global product, um, I think it's pretty essential to have 
uh, international presence within our team. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's really it's it's amazing, and it just it uh, it just speaks to the the changing world of technology and sort of like what you're able to do with the resources that we have now. So I, I think it's I think it's really awesome, and so that's why uh, you know again, Mailbird looks great to me, but it was it was almost more interesting to me to hear sort of how your experience has been. What have been some of the things that you've learned from doing that kind of outsourcing that distribution, or or more than that, just have there been any sort of like hiccups along the way? Yeah. Um, so remote team, uh, working setups can be a challenge and it only works of course, when you hire the right team members. So like, of course we've had our share of like, you know, adding new team members and, you know, you have a little more freedom to work remote when you work remotely. Um, but not everyone has that same, you know, uh, cultural alignment and where you know we're all really working our asses off um, towards one goal and it's really you know building this awesome business that helps people be more productive and enjoy the email experience more um so that's kind of one thing cultural differences are always really interesting um there's always there's been some funny just like miscommunications here and there but they all uh in the end come to a better cultural understanding of how people communicate so those are some kind of challenges that you'll see too um otherwise it, it pretty much works pretty magically well I, I i don't know if we're just lucky because we have such a great team or um we just have some some kind of system in place that just makes it work really well for us but yeah i i would say there's not too many hiccups but otherwise yeah we try we try we do try even though we work remotely to kind of bring everyone together in bali as kind of like the hub um because we have this this awesome like community here um which is surrounded by other entrepreneurs everyone that's very much like-minded um, so we try to do that and that's usually a great time for us to really basically kind of put together a hackathon of some kind where we really push out a lot of developments in the business. So, sure. Yeah. Okay. So the last question that I always like to ask people on the podcast is, and, and I'm, I'm curious to hear your responses of the different experiences that you've had now, but what are your top three tips or personal tips for people to be more effective? Effective with email? No, in general. Anything. Or it's effective you know, for, in general. Effective okay. in general. Ooh, that's a heavy one. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> well, I have to do a plug in for Mailbird, of course. Of course, because... that's fine. <laughs> um, so I think to be effective, you have to be effective and choose the right tools, of course, um, to help you do more um, and spend less time doing uh, those things. So Finding a really great, uh, I would say, uh, email uh, tool is definitely essential for me, at least, to be an effective person in everything that I do, because communication is key in building a business and your personal life. So, yes, having a super awesome email tool. Um, okay, so that's one. I, I have to come up with two more. All right, how to be really effective. <laughs> um, I think... I think really networking um, a lot and meeting a lot of people um, is essential to being an effective person because that's how you learn a lot. Um, and building those like, you know, key relationships is kind of how you progress in your life, I think, over time. And you learn new things and you get introductions to people that really help you um, achieve things that you want to do in life. So that's number two. Number three. Okay. 
Number three, I would say, is to try to automate, automate, automate everything you can as much as possible. Um, so that's another way I would say that you can be a very effective person. Well, I like that. But and can you give me one example of automation that you like? Um, sure. So like one of the things that we do for like our business, for example, is being able to track uh, metrics effectively and to use those metrics and helping us, you know, make big decisions for how we build the business. Um, so using things like Mixpanel that tells us exactly what we need to know about our business um, and what we need to change about our business, for example, um, that's a great metrics tracking tool that's automated. So that would be one thing, I guess. Um, that's good. No, that's, otherwise, that's great. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you, Andrea. That was that was really informative, uh, and I hope that people get a chance to check out Mailbird. Can you? Uh, we're gonna have links in the show notes, of course. But can you please give the best URL for people to find out more about you and about Mailbird? Um, to find about me, um, I don't have a personal site or anything, but you can always just connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm happy to engage with people that way. But um, otherwise, if they want to learn more about the business, um, they can go to uh, getmailbird.com. And that has all the great information about what we're doing to disrupt and innovate email. Perfect. Um, but otherwise, yeah. That's the best way. <laughs> okay. Well, Andrew, thank you so much. It's been really great talking to you. And I look forward to seeing people's feedback on Mailbird after they hear the episode, hopefully. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ari. I appreciate it. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Less Doing podcast. If you want to find out more information of the show, we would love to hear from you. You can go to lessdoing.com where you can look at Ari's blog, see the show notes for this episode, and also look at all the other episodes before this. If you want to send us a voicemail, we'd love to hear from you and we'll play it on the show. You go to lessdoing.com, click on contact, and look on the right side of the page where you'll see a, a send voicemail button. Click on that and go ahead and record an audio message for us. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter. Ari's Twitter handle is at Ari Mizell, and mine is at Felix Bird. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. See you next time.